Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show with Neil Dobbs, David Bogle, and myself, Roy Shanahan. And we've had a, a cracker, Dave. The the big game, Manchester City versus Liverpool. We've been waiting for it, I wouldn't even say all week, probably since Christmas we've been waiting <laughs> for this game. We knew that this was going to be a biggie, and it didn't let us down. Yeah, like it's the one thing that they don't let you down, because how many times over the years did we watch the top two get it on and then it's a drab nil all affair and both teams afraid to lose? Well, this one, there was no two ways about it. They definitely went at it. City obviously got the, the quicker start and put the fear of God into me with one or two of the fears that I would have said over the last few weeks about um getting caught defensively, which they did. But thankfully, um it was a bit of it was actually the same results. I jokingly said it last week. Well, same results as Anfield, except it was slightly different this time. Where City went up both times, and 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 Liverpool came back compared to the other way around. But um, and just as top of the tables go, you know, even right there at the very end, at Maris's lob, there was always a chance for either side. Probably, let's be honest, more so for City. But um, as top of the tables go, there was it wasn't a dull drab affair, that's for sure. So it was a cracker for 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 the game and obviously for the league. They would have wanted to see them to go at it the way they did today. And there was a bit of everything, even a bit of niggle, a bit of spice in it from time to time. Liverpool kind of mastering Guardiola's tactics of taking them down at the right time as well. And they were I must they must have been told at halftime because they definitely came out with a bit more of a snarl and that kind of bit of a aggressiveness. So um, overall, like. Put your neutral hat on, you'll take it. But me, with me Liverpool fan, I'll definitely take it considering the start that City had. I definitely was fearful when when uh, when, the, when the first chance came in. Remember the ball over the top when Alisson made a great save? That's yeah. kind of my fears for City against Liverpool for weeks. And I thought this is going to be a long day, but thankfully uh, we turned it around. But yeah, overall, cracker of a game. Neil, have Liverpool... Been no, well, I suppose have Manchester City found a weakness in Liverpool by going that little bit longer, pinning the ball over the top. They they play a very high line at times, Liverpool. Yeah, um, there was a great little segment there with Neville and Carragher at the end of the game where they were talking about being up in the gantry and looking down on the pitch, and you can see the narrowness of from the Liverpool backline to the City backline. I.e., they're both pushing towards each other. Um, it's like a game of chess where Liverpool push up five or six yards and you think they're going to drop off. And there's a couple of great moments where they got a wide camera angle and you could actually see City with kind of probing runs that they weren't being picked up. And the Liverpool players, they checked them on their shoulder. And as soon as they crossed that almost invisible line that the four defenders have, they just let them run on. And it, it, that's what they're saying. Your heart is in your mouth when you're watching it because the bravery and the courage to step up that near to a midfield that can string a, a pinpoint pass through, it, it's remarkable to watch. And I'm sure Dave is saying the same. It's so uncomfortable at times when you yeah. see Liverpool they, they press towards the midfield and then a little treaded ball in behind, like the Sterling one where they got away with. Um, but when you see it happen again and again, it, you, you do be a little bit fearful of it. But look, fortune favours the brave. I love the way they push a team like that. And let's be honest, Liverpool are the only team probably in world football the minute that press City and go at City the way they do. So it's a kind of a, a win or bust type of scenario. And, you know, neither side were going to back down. Um, just in regards to weaknesses, Roy, I think City did their homework on two things today. Number one, they pushed the fullback because Cancelo got in behind Trent four or five times instead of the winger, be it Foden or Sterling, 
dropping out. So that was one tactic that worked out really, really well, the late runner. And the second tactic, which they did, I think, during the... Um, what was it, the FA Cup, wherever last year, remember from the free kick where they have a late runner around the back post, which was generally Rodri and Rodri put it back across the goal. So they've been watching and waiting to try out that tactic and they got reasonable success from it today. Yeah. Manchester City, you look at Foden, you have Sterling, you have Jesus. There's a bit of pace in that team. You're you're up against a high line. Um, if if the run is good enough, you're going to get him at some stage. Yeah. Do you think Liverpool... Be- changed that they pressed really well at the start of the second half but when it kind of wasn't going for them they did drop off a little bit do you think they learned from that first half oh without a shadow of a doubt but not only i think one of the biggest things just like you said they pressed better in the second half because to be honest i didn't think the front three pressed all that much in the first half which i think was the biggest flaw because once it got into that midfield it's danger because there was once or twice where i watched liverpool it was like six v four like the like the city back four and the six liverpool so once they broke through that you know it's the opposite way around and um obviously that that's what i feared as well city have more legs than what liverpool would have and uh, had some joy but the front three definitely got their finger out a bit more in the second half and you could see it they pinned them in a bit more and made city make some mistakes and fluff their lines and hence pushing them back and not that it became a stalemate but then they gained a bit more respect and city kind of checked themselves a little bit and didn't have that kind of bit between their teeth as they did in the first half. But without a shadow of a doubt, whatever changes were made. And as you said, they got a bit more aggressive as well. And if they looked like there was a danger of breaking through the midfield, they started to do the little clever fouls at the right time, as as we all know that Guardiola's teams always do very well. And uh, they did it at the right time and didn't get caught out quite as much in the second half. But uh, without a doubt, I think the front three was what, when they kicked into gear and got in with the rest of the team, that's when Liverpool started to kind of be a match for City then, definitely. And what, Dave, what what is it that Liverpool need to improve on to... Because if it was a boxing match, you kind of think, right, City probably won it on yeah. points. What is it that Liverpool need to adjust to maybe win these games? Yeah, I think the, the guys need to be at it from the start to the get-go, but I think we probably have to sacrifice one of our midfielders a bit more to help with the the back the middle two let the two fullbacks do what they do because even robertson got one or two true balls in in that first half that were quite effective and uh, alexander Arnold as well like as much as i always debate like you know he needs to be good defensively like we did miss him when he when he was gone there for a game or two we missed his um offensive output so i think we need to sacrifice one of the guys to be a bit more boring be a bit more sitting in front of the guys and kind of more worrying about protecting the back instead of trying to get in high with the rest of the team and maybe just a press with the five and even the fullbacks from time to time. But maybe adapt against City, that's for sure. But I thought once or twice, as I said, it was 6v4 and City are the type of team that can get past that. And if they do, it's danger, which we've seen on more than one occasion in that first half. Absolutely. Uh, Neil, when you look at the fixtures that are left, Manchester City, there's only seven games left, I think. So does that mean that more or less you're you're struggling to see Manchester City lose this or is there hope? Uh, oh, I do definitely think there's hope. I mean, if you look back at where it was at Christmas, we all thought it was a done deal and it was a mountain too high and all the rest. But, you know, there's a couple more sticky games that will come up. There'll be teams fighting for survival. There will be teams that will actually have a pop at City because they won't be fighting for anything. So there's a couple of different fixtures that will give them trouble. Um, 
the funny thing is, and I, I, you know, even since Christmas, it's not like they've lost a lot of games. They just drew and they became unstuck every now and then when they couldn't break a, a, a kind of a stubborn defence down. So what you're looking for is teams to go out and draw against them. And I think from a Liverpool perspective, and even from the last run in we discussed in the last uh, time of the show, when Liverpool matched them blow for blow right to the end, the difference is now you only need them to draw one game. But on the other hand, Liverpool need to be flawless. So it's very, very, very fine margins. I think the progression in the Champions League is still going to have um, an influence on how they play because a real tough night like City have this week, I know they've no league match, but a tough night against the likes of Atletico where you're playing away and then you're going into a weekend fixture, that can drain you emotionally and, and, and drain them legs. So um, And they don't have the luxury they had last year of City playing their kind of second string and keeping their, their best players fresh. So I'm, I'm thinking the Champions League will have a little bit of an effect. But from Liverpool's perspective, you need to be flawless. You need to keep the pressure on. You can't let, you couldn't let it go to four points and you need then for them to draw one game. Now, obviously, the same goes for Liverpool. Like if you, I think if United and Spurs and Everton to play. Everton, so yeah. just some absolute colossal games on both sides. If I'm honest about it now, I, I would have preferred Liverpool had that lead or had that extra point or two rather than the reverse because you know yeah. City are really good at closing these games out. Okay, so we'll look at we'll look at the, the, the games that are left and uh the two years can jump right. in. Right. Just before say, you jump into the fixtures, just very yeah. briefly, it's not not in too much detail that's but do you think both teams will go with their strongest sides in the cup semi final on when or on Saturday? You're after taking me next question now. Oh, you were just gonna do. Anyway, proceed. Uh, but we'll go, we'll go with that, Dave, uh, because it's it's a valid point. Um, it's 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 a game where you'd normally see Manchester City play a strong enough side, and Liverpool have been known, as you've seen with the 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 League Cup before, uh, to change their side completely and really focus. So again, Dave, I'll go with you on that question. Can you see it that way again? Can you see Manchester City maybe changing their team a little bit more now? Yeah, like Liverpool, I know it's incredibly hard to do, but the fact that they're still in every competition, they have to give it a go because how often do you get this chance? So I personally, I think they should. And I'd like to think Klopp will play a stronger side. City maybe maybe will make one or two slight changes, but we won't notice them. I.e., the likes of Mares, City, like City haven't won the Champions League, so they they, they kind of need yeah. to focus on that. Where Liverpool, not that they don't want to win the Champions, but it League. might be just a nice psychological blow to beat each other again. You know, like what yeah. we said last week, just to get a bit of a one-upmanship. Yeah, we've burst your bubble. The quadruple's gone, and we're still one point clear. City might want to do them over. Obviously, Liverpool wanted to try and keep that dream alive as well. And then obviously to maybe put a bit of a psychological blow. So it's it's an interesting chess type of game beforehand. What's going to happen? Um, but I, It would have been more interesting if the FA Cup game was before the league game. Then you would have yeah. been thinking, now psychologically going into the game next Yeah, it would have had more impact. It? So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so I, I would reckon, Roy, just on that, I would nearly guarantee that uh, City will... The likes of Gundogan, I think, will get a game. Mares, I think Grealish yeah. and Mares have real strong, you know, starting points because it's FA Cup. And I think on the flip side, Liverpool could start someone like Diaz uh, or Canate. But I think for that would be, or maybe Kate, maybe Kate or for me. Or so, but Liverpool have finally options that they can do it. But I would, I would say that was their two best sides, uh, their best eleven of available, other than Diaz going in for uh, who's injured for our City. That is their best eleven, Liverpool's best eleven. But I'd nearly bet on the on the game next week. I think they'll do one or two changes each. 
but still have the main players. That's the question. Oh yeah, the main the main squad the main with okay. a Diaz in there or a Gundogan in there. That's you know or a Mares. Okay. That'd be it for me. Um, again, as I said with the, with the the games that are left, City have Wolves, Brighton, Wofford, Leeds, Newcastle, West Ham, and Aston Villa. Uh, Dave, where do you think they could slip up there? Um, Wolves. You'd hope Wolves and West Ham still have a half a chance of Europe, so that there's something to die for. A lot of the others' seasons should be as good as done. Yes, they'll put up a bit of a fight, but you know how many times do you see this at this time of the season? They put up a bit of a fight. Let's try and upset the apple cart, and then once they go one 0 down, it's game over. You know, um, so they be the kind of games where somebody has something to fight for. Although, funny old game, as we all know, like you know, uh, somebody might turn it on, like Gerard and Villa. There'd be a bit of bit of uh doing it for for the old club kind of bit of, like that, that like that'll be drummed up with the media for sure especially if uh they need uh city to drop points obviously jared will do his utmost and all that kind of crack so but, we're just looking at wolves and west ham the possible yeah, games you look out for they're the likely saying, ones they're, they're the, the likely ones, ones but the way city are like let's be honest you know the, like, yes they've drawn five but you, at this time of the year and with what's at stake you know you'd expect them to win Probably okay. every single one of them, maybe bare one. Liverpool have United, Everton, Newcastle, Spurs, Villa, Southampton, and Wolves on the last day. On paper, they look harder games, but you've seen the way the likes of Manchester United are. Newcastle might be safe enough by the time yeah. they have to play them. And of course, Wolves might or might not be in that uh, European race at that stage. So, regardless of current when form. you look at it it kind of looks on paper harder but yeah. it, it may not be yeah but regardless of current form you know you're never never going to be bang at it let's be honest like yeah. liverpool used to do it when they were sixth and seventh and love to spoil the party i'm not saying they will but they'll definitely want it without a shadow of a doubt and obviously spores as well at the moment like they'd love to do, do over arsenal so there's some spicy getting now with liverpool going through them all you'll tip their hat to them without a shadow of a doubt but there'll be a few people who are dying to, well, it'd be a bit more determined to spoil the party for Liverpool than, say, the teams that City have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about the worst team in England at the moment, and it's not Everton. Manchester United got rolled over by Everton at the weekend. It's not something that we're surprised about. Um, And it's in all fairness, we're starting to get really... It's getting boring and tedious now because it's the same points and same talking points that we're talking about each week with Manchester United. Uh, Neil, you know, slate United as much as you want. I think they deserve it, don't they? Yeah. So the highlight of the week on that one for me, Roy, was this Ronaldo's drop at the end where he slapped the kid's uh, iPhone out of his hand. And I think he released a statement today saying, listen, you know, I'll bring you to a game and put you up. And someone put underneath, has he not suffered enough? So <laughs> it's, uh, if anything, bring him to someone else's game, you know. But it's uh, it's a tough watch, Roy, I have to say. I watched the game. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I didn't for any... I, Everton were really poor, I thought. Everton, their, their heart was 100%. Their determination was 100%. But they offered still very little. They got their goal. Slight edge of fortune going in off Maguire. Um, and then they just really fought to a nail, you know. Um, they were just fortunate that this United team just doesn't have that same drive, that same determination. Uh, someone mentioned they're already on their holidays or they want to go on their holidays. And you can't disagree with that. They just look disinterested, disjointed, like it's just a shambles. And every week we come on, you could lay into the players left, right and centre. Yeah, they could have scored. 
but I don't know, man. They just look like they are absolutely ready to finish up. And then it epitomizes, uh, there goes my flag again, epitomizes at the very, very end with Ronaldo going down the tunnel. I think there was another fan uh, clip released just after the game, which basically showed none of the players uh, acknowledging the fans, the away fans, as they walked yeah. off. And again, it just... It, it gathers momentum every week of how bad they are. We're running out of superlatives. Um, you know, even listen to Gary Neville going into the uh, the studio tonight, he was literally like, "Man, if I have to sit through another Man United game, like it's absolutely crazy." So yeah, it just keeps going from bad to worse. I don't think there's any answers this season. I agree with that. I think they're just waiting to see it out, move on, change manager, and go in a different direction. That rumour of Ten Hag now nearly being a done deal as well probably solidifies the lads going, I, I couldn't give a shit what you're saying anymore, Ranjik, or whatever. You know, that kind of, yeah, yeah. let's 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 wait till the next manager and impress him. Do you know what I mean? But one interesting stat, though, Shannon, I think Everton apparently ran 10K more than United. Wow. Okay. Well, and apparently that's a big thing throughout the year. Apparently, like, you know, you do not put in the No, albeit you can put stats out there. I think yeah, exactly. 68% of possession. Yeah, so exactly. if you have less possession, you're chasing more. So, but yeah. I think it was the manner of the movement from Manchester United. It was very slow, clumbersome. They didn't look like they were going to do anything. And uh, as they said, like before, testimonial look to, to the games that they're playing and, and and as you said the Ten Hag thing is interesting because if, if Atten have heard about Ten Hag and read up about him that he's he's very focused on making sure that everything is precise that everyone's training is precise that that uh, he communicates with staff players uh, there's one-on-ones. If Ranjik is there already and he's the, the, the whisperer, I'm sure he'll know. I'm sure he's not going to get conned by players no. at this stage because it's very hard to con someone now. So if those yeah. players have that kind of idea, I, I think that some of them will be gone. But uh, give us a shout. Uh, either of you can start here. Uh, who needs to go? Because there's, there's a lot of players there. Is there players that are better... Who would be better in? Get out the list. Who would be? Is there players who would be better in a more organised situation and uh, in a better, I suppose, environment? That's the better question. Who actually could suit staying? Yeah, because um, there's a lot to go. Um, I'll give Bruno a shout because he's getting a bit of stick at the moment. Like the guy has qualities. There's no. I've always it. thought he worked hard. I, yeah, I know at he times has you said it, Dave. He hasn't, but I think I've always thought he worked hard. I and think if he... anyone, I thought he should have been in the centre midfield with either Fred or McTominay because he has the pass and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you know. Mac- well, what uh, I've said about him before, is... Roy. What I've said before about him, I think he kind of burns himself out. I watched him a few times, kind of going beyond people as if he was showing that he was working harder. Now that doesn't mean he's faking it, by the way. But I found he'd be done after an hour because he's done too much because I think he was trying to prove a point to others going, I'm not there overtaking you. Get your finger out. Like, But I think he still has something about him and I think he can be one of the main men without a shadow of a doubt. Like this year, he's got more goals from outfield play and obviously last year's 18 goals look impressive but 15 are penalties. But this year, it's a lot different. Um, I think Ronaldo's a bit of a distraction for him because he tries to force a few passes into him from time to time. But uh, he definitely should be one of the main men and try and tap into him because he's like he's an attitude and sometimes it's really good but then it can also be really bad when it's the whingy tiny moany when he seems yeah. disinterested so if ten Hag can if he's good man manager he could tap it in and get the good bruno if you know what i mean um so without a shadow of a doubt i definitely think they need to be focusing on him 
um, and then try and get one or two buddies in 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 behind him to 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 give him the freedom to do what he does best because he is a good creator as well as a good goal scorer. So yeah. that's a that's a that's a fine weapon to have. Ronaldo um, to stay or Ronaldo to go? He, I don't think it makes a difference, Neil. Does it whether he stays or goes? If he stays, he'll be 10, 15 goals, maybe show some qualities. But really, it's a it's a swan song. So, are, are United willing to give it to him or not? That's the question. I don't yeah. think Ronaldo is going to be one of these, or ever will be one of these players that will stay on at a club like United and say, "Yeah, listen, I'm okay coming on the last half hour, no. you know, making an impact and being that player." I think he needs to be a ninety minute player. He wants to be a ninety minute player. Um, and that's the biggest problem with Ronaldo. If you had a manager or someone that could manage him or, or his own ego to say, look, you're not going to be starting every game and I don't want the strop and I don't want the grief that goes with it. But that's never going to happen because Ronaldo was just too big for that. It'll be interesting when he finishes career, what way he finishes as a 90 minute player and then walks away. Or I, I just can never see him becoming that bit. The only way he'd go assess out. the season, Neil, because it, obviously there's been some in, injuries. But assess the season when he's been on the pitch, has he been given the service? Yeah, I, I mean, even when he wasn't scoring there, I think I touched on it about maybe four weeks ago. That remember he was hitting the bloody face of the goalie, the arm of the goalie, everything but score from four yards. But he's absolutely still at his age and his point in his career. He's lethal. He's absolutely lethal in that 18. And not even in six-yard box. He's lethal in the 18-yard box. But the biggest problem is, and we all know, you cannot have in today's modern football at the elite level. You might get away with it with one or two of the other teams. You cannot get away with it at the elite level having a player that does not run and work as hard. And to go back Actually, to what you were Klopp, yeah, what did Klopp say about his forwards? He said, you want to be a striker for Liverpool, you have to run your balls off. And he said, that is the way it is. And Ronaldo is a, still a luxury player for a large chunk of a game. Now, maybe if he's playing in a Manchester City team where they have the ball 75% of the time, it becomes less of an issue. But you'll still run into teams that you will need all 11 outfield players to work their socks off. So... He's a luxury player still for me, but what a great luxury. Like he, you still got to appreciate the way he finishes chances, the way he, he come, remember when he came back from the injury, he missed the game and scored the header and all. Like it was just sublime that he still has it at that age. The problem is, and I think Wayne Rooney hit the nail on the head if you watched him on Monday Night Football, is that you need now the new manager to come in and the new regime and to look to the future. And Ronaldo is not the future. So believe it or but not, like, right, and I just hit on something else. Yeah, Bruno Fernandez has signed a contract extension, so he's the future. So United are now. I'm not saying they're forced to, but surely you should be looking at building the team around him, the guy that just signed the contract. That is still, I think, we think there's something about him in the middle. Do you build your team around Fernandez and move Ronaldo on? Who can you not have the two? You could, but it's see, I suppose what we're thinking about Roy is just. Where's the forward plan? And like, like I'm expect I want to see something different from United that they actually have an idea what they're going to do. So if he does well for them next year, that's great. But what happens when he's gone the year after? Like he's not going to be around for five the five years of Ten Hag. So if it's a quick fix to get him out of a hole and get him back into Champions League football, well then yeah, job done. Providing you're on the hunt for the future of the club. Um. So that's that's just kind of a sensible hat on me. Like there's no denying that what Ronaldo can do still. But it's literally going to be probably for another year at best. Um, so when you look at the Manchester United side, he's still the best striker they have. So you yeah. have to play the best striker that you have. Yeah, 100%. The problem is, is that they don't have anyone better at the moment. But did they go after somebody of that calibre this season? And then you're 
ducked because let's face it, he, he won't play second fiddle. And no, then you bring in the, the only goal. way. The only way you're going to have him there, uh, and the only reason why you would leave him out of a, a squad is because you have someone who's nearly on the same level as him, i.e., a, a big name, a Harry Kane or a Haaland or something like that. And Manchester United will struggle to get them players. Yeah. So there's a big there's a big question mark. Then can they get someone else in? that is going to be better than Ronaldo and will yeah. say Ten Hag come in and say, well, how can I lose Ronaldo? We're finished seventh. We didn't even get into the Europa League. Who are we going to attract? Well, that's a manager's job, Roy. He needs to decide whether his version of United next year is a version where they're going to build a team around Ronaldo, even if it's for one season to get them going. But like if United jump jump, uh, jump into the trend, and by the way, United do need another striker regardless because Cavani's on the way out the door as well. Rashford's after hitting, uh, uh, he's probably not a nine anyway. Um, they If they went like Chelsea and spent 100 million on a Lukaku, that's Ronaldo gone because he won't stay because you're forced to play your new sign and your big signing. I think he'll go. But on the other hand, they're caught because mm. it's not like a young kid is going to take over his mantle in the space of a year. But they desperately need cover up front because when Ronaldo hasn't played, I think their record this year has been absolutely abysmal as far as picking up points. So as Rooney said the other night, and I go with that, if he has to go in the summer, let him go. Identify your target, bring them in and build the team around youth. Your Sancho's, your be it Rashford's if you want to take a gamble on it, but they're going to have to go a different direction than what they've done, I think, this year in particular. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be just move one or two players. I think it's going to be uh, get the, the blank piece of paper out again and, and, and start again. And, huge and, and job, right. And to start afresh. Yeah, I think it is. And I think Manchester United fans are going to have to look at the next two years and maybe accept that there's not going yeah. to be a lot that's going to happen in the next two years. Bit of patience. Albeit, you would hoping that there's progression within those couple of years. Okay, uh, there has been progression in a short space of time from Spurs, Neil. They've they've really upped their game, and uh, again they they showed Steven Gerrard. Uh, Conte showed Steven Gerrard uh, what kind of a, a manager maybe Gerrard needs to look to aspire to be. Because at the moment Villa are struggling badly after the the the, the start that he had under them. But Conte, yeah, he's if he gets money. There could be uh, it could be hard for the likes of Arsenal and Manchester United to get into these top four spaces. Yeah, do you know what it is right now? I watched uh, the majority of this game, and I have to say it was very, very interesting. I like the scoreline. Don't get me wrong; it flattered Spurs because Village probably should have scored oh, two or three. Um, they were they got got now a Hugo Lloris and goal took off some blind and says absolute blind but Villa really gave them a good goal and the reason I wanted to bring this up tonight was that I was watching Villa and the commentators kept kind of you know uh, alluding to the fact that this is the image of their manager this is the way they want them to play Villa went in in some what I would call old school challenges on sports and I mean they left their foot in. Not enough for the Reds, but enough to really let them know we're sticking the boot in here. We're going to let you know where we are. And it wasn't just one or two players. It was five or six players with some big, meaty challenges that went in. And Villa rattled Spurs for that first half. How they come in, uh, I don't know, it was a 1-0 half time, but how they went in a goal down was incredible because they really gave a great account of themselves. But, you know, the old Italian master playing an Italian style, he sat in there, Spurs dug in, and some of the goals they scored on the break were absolutely sublime. So Conte, within, I don't know, how long is he there now? A couple of months, right? 
He's basically changed the team. And I'm, again, maybe this gives hope for your Man United's out there. Benton Cord and Kulisevsky have come into that side. And he's basically going with what was there before. But they look a solid, solid defensive outfit. They're not leaking silly goals. They're all fighting for each other. They seriously put in a shift. But it's when they're breaking forward, Spurs are at their best. They really do look different gravy. And that's why I earmarked that for the Liverpool danger. Because, man, they're well capable of sitting in there and let Liverpool hammer at them for 80 minutes, score two or three on the break. So it may, they're a very interesting side to watch at the moment. And Neil, can you see them changing? So as you said, they're scoring goals because they have the quality up front, but they are still rocky at the back. There's a little bit of luck with Conte, but also he's he's designed the shape and the players like Dyer's in the centre with Davis and Romero at the back line. He's designed his back line to be the best back line that he can possibly get. You can probably see wholesale changes in, in that personnel come the summer. Like he's had one transfer window, Roy, and I think his business has been brilliant. So he's brought in two guys who make a big, big difference to the shape and the stability of his team. So where Heiberg was kind of the main hold in mid, now they have Bentoncourt. Uh, he's playing the wing-backs really, really well. Like, bear in mind, right, this is the same, more or less, if you take Benton Cora out of there, this is the same back line that Jose Mourinho could not get them playing in the manner that he wanted. And Conte's really put a stamp on them, the way they fight for each other. Even Villa were getting in, and there was some last-ditch challenges that you wouldn't have seen out of Spurs maybe pre-Christmas, that they're just grinding out. And you talk about Gerrard and his image and the kind of tough tackling and that type of stuff. But Conte's image is, is absolute substance. It's stance. It's like a rock. Um, but he's getting a great tune out of them players at the moment. And they're fighting for him. And let's be honest, man, would you turn around two months ago and said Spurs for fourth? They're nailed on for fourth at the moment. It's incredible turnaround. Dave, Harry Kane, big talk at the end of this season. It's already started. I mean, Son is, him and Son are unbelievable together. It's a pairing that everyone in, the, in Europe would love to have. But obviously with the talk of Harry came last year and about wanting to leave and, you know, they might get Champions League. If they get Champions mm. League, is that enough for him to stay? And he, he's seen some sort of progression or does he need to look elsewhere, do you think? Yeah, what is it, 28, 29? He's creeping now at this stage. Um, it's his big, last that, big decision in all fairness, yeah, isn't it? It's now or never. I know we probably said the same last year, but it really is now or never. If he doesn't go this year, that's it. He's a Spurs legend for life, simple as that. But it's going to be a lot harder this year because you've got the resurgence of the team. You've got a top-class manager there. He's bought one or two players who, as you said, Ben and Gordon, the, the ginger from Sweden, that cracking song that they've already come up with to the tune of Gimme, 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 a ginger from Sweden. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Go, put it on YouTube. It was brilliant. But anyway, um, so there's promising signs now. They're teasing promising signs. Let's face it. They're still spores. But um, but it might just be enough for, to lure him. But it's going to be a much tougher decision this year. But at the same time, He's putting himself in the shop window because not only is he scoring goals again, but some of his like that little flick header to to Son, you seen Son, it in the highlights. He did the quick little whiplash. He knew where he was and then just flicked it the other way right into his path. Like you know, that's gold. And the fact that he can put the ball inside the post as good as anyone as well. And then he has that kind of um that assist uh, that 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 kind of play um, playmaking ability as well. Like somebody's going to have another bite this year without a shadow of a doubt. But Does it might talk? be a tougher. 
does he talk to Conte at the end of the season and say, listen, what are the club offering you? What money are they giving you? When are we looking like Possibly, getting play- yeah. players in? Is this a I deep so, conversation yeah. that you have with the manager, an ongoing conversation and not? Yeah. Because he, he trusted Spurs before, uh, foolishly, he trusted Spurs before and they let him down on their word, yeah. allegedly. Does he this time be very, very cautious about it and, and keep his eye on the ball? And if something hasn't been done, maybe... Yeah. By close to the end of July, then he starts to, uh, you know, kick up again. I That's suppose. the best way to look at it, probably, because like, yeah, he's been born before, but like, obviously, the way he's playing, there's definitely going to be somebody having an inquiry without shell of a doubt. But it'll be a little bit of a tougher decision this year, potentially. But that's definitely got it, got it, got it, got legs again this year because he is, he is quality and he's shown it again. Thank God. Okay, but for him, win, for him, Roy, though, to win the... silverware, if yeah, he wants to win silverware, this. he has to go to a city. Do you know what I mean? Like Liverpool aren't going to buy Harry Kane. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So the is only he place win, go. is he going to win a league with Spurs? No. So he's going to is, is he looking mm. to win an FA Cup with Spurs? Possibly. <laughs> yeah. But sure, Liverpool Champions and City league. do do dominate that as well. League Cup. Are they going to win a Champions League? Uh, there's always a chance. There is always a chance. You just never know. As you seen, Spurs got to the Ch- Champions League final. There's probably more of a chance of them winning the Champions League than there is the league at the moment because they're just starting up near that level of Liverpool and Spurs. So if he's really looking at it, he, does he have a chance of winning the league medal? Probably not. Will he have a chance in the next couple of years? Probably not. Uh, so what does he do now? Um. He, he either goes and defects to a team that has a manager like Pep Guardiola who basically wins four out of five of everything that he goes into, as in league-wise. Look, I think, Roy, with, with uh, Kane, it, it's not necessarily... I'd love to get into his head. When people say he's not winning enough, he might retire and not win anything. I think for Kane, when Pochettino left, that was the end of a cycle, and then it seemed so far away to them getting back to the peak of that. But at one stage... Spores were near enough challenging top two, top three. Champions League, they were in the latter stages. They were a good side, but that all fell apart. Now, they're, you know, if Conte can come in and rebuild, is that enough for him that at least they're competing and they're getting up there? Or does he genuinely just think, I need to win a league title before I retire? In which case, there's only one option and he has to follow Pep into sea. So do we not believe that Conte is good enough to get them up to the top two and compete i think conte if he's there with the correct backing like if you gave him the backing that pep had when he arrived in i definitely think conte could get them up challenging no doubt now it might take two seasons three seasons but i definitely think he has that kind of uh, caliber about him and he proved it at chelsea but he needs backing and spores are not renowned for backing they were the only club in history under uh Pochettino to have a no transfer window deal like it was that spores and that lingers so even bringing in the two lads uh, um, in the winter window was actually odd for spores to do good business and it did turn out to be good business so like you're saying does Kane turn around the end of the year and go right tell me who your targets are who are we going after seemingly they were after Luis Diaz as well and West Ham and all the rest so if they can get them in does Kane go do you know what we're making a bit of progress here we're in top four Champions League, maybe he'll say, I'm, we're getting there. So it's hard to know. I think the only thing with Conte is if he doesn't get the backing, 
the club are probably their arms probably twisted a little bit because not only will Kane leave but Conte probably leave uh, he, he'll quick, be in, quicker he'll than be on Kane the will so yeah. it'll be very interesting they have Brighton next but after that then there's a four games Brentford who are on fire at the moment Leicester Liverpool and Arsenal they may dictate whether Spurs get into that top four or not but at the moment they're doing okay. Um, when you look at Arsenal, <laughs> and Neil, you said they're more sporsy than spores at the moment. <laughs> In all fairness, they've had a great run. It's just the last couple of games they're after. They're after tripping up. Do they still? They still obviously have the quality. They still have the per- same personnel. So nothing should be changing with them. But they've hit a rocky patch. And Neil, can they get through? I suppose. Um, yeah, I watched the game the other night now, Brighton, and you know the whole build-up was Brighton can't score. You know, Mopay doesn't score, Brighton don't score. And the next thing you know, bam, and they're two up. But uh, real, no, it wasn't a smash and grab job. Brighton are a good, good side. They play good football. They cut teams open. They're just blunt up top. And I think it was the reverse of that. And I think, horrible to say, Arsenal are now paying the price now maybe for letting Aubameyang go. And I don't mean the Aubameyang that was there before they let him go because he was dirt. The new reef-born Aubameyang of Barcelona that's slamming in goals. So I think... They're relying on Lacazette to be that nine, and I don't think they have the quality. When um, Martinelli, Saka, Smith-Rowe, I think, were not papering over the cracks, but I think they took the baton and they ran with it, and they gave Arsenal another dimension. But I still think they're missing a natural goal score in number nine, the way Kane does it for Spurs. So I think that's their biggest deficiency. I think their back line is way better. They're better organised. They play nice football. They've they've got their two blockers in there, be it... They're, they experiment with them every now and then, and they're relying on the young talent to try get them over the line. I think they've just become a little bit unstuck now. It doesn't mean they can't kick on, but I think they're lacking a better version of a Lacazette to maybe take them up to that next level and push for that fourth place. Okay, so they, when they went on their little run there, they beat Wolves twice, they beat Brentford, they beat Watford, and they beat Leicester. Uh, the Wolves ones were touch and go, but the, you're expecting them to win the other games. Uh, Liverpool then beat them, they beat Aston Villa, then Crystal Palace and Brighton are kind of the shocks to the system. Is it Were there games that they've been winning, sort of, Dave, games that maybe they should have been winning, and obviously the, with the Wolves games, they're great wins, and winning five games in a row is good no matter what, no matter what team you are. But is there kind of a, a false reading in what they're doing? Because before those five games, they hadn't won a game in five games. Yeah, maybe, but I suppose just to touch on a little bit what Neil said about like the very young side as well, and I think you're getting to the business end of the season where you kind of need that old head every now and then you need that guy who knows like right this is the this is the trenches game lads where we have to roll up the sleeves and win ugly and high five each other afterwards like we've won the the champions league final and i just and there's a bit of pressure as well and not only that it's pressure from your greatest rival who definitely have more experience and obviously have a more experienced manager as well so they know all of a sudden shit every game matters and every game is pressure and uh, that's probably what what might lack them that bit of experience, that bit of know how, bit of nous about the business end of the a season, regardless of how pretty a football they've played over the last while. Good side that they are, but maybe, yeah, that unfortunately still a bit too wet behind the ears. And then when it's coming, in, as I said, to that final, the home stretch, I think our, our Spurs have a bit more, uh, as I said, in the tank, in, in yeah, experience than say Arsenal, and that's why. If I right now, which is easy considering Spurs have won the last four, but it's probably why I'd probably tip Spurs over Arsenal. 
Okay, now the Champions League was on during the week and with your permission, I think we're going to bypass Liverpool. <laughs> in all fairness, when they, that draw came out, they were through to the yeah. semi-finals and that's the way it looks like it's going to be. Uh, Manchester City and Atletico Madrid, Dave. I mean, people were slating Madrid, Atletico for the, the style of football. N- nothing different than they've ever has anyone, done before. Has anyone watched Atletico Madrid for the last five years? Yeah, like, it's crazy. Like, it's it's mad. It's me mad. I think it's because there's they're, they're so they're at each end of the spectrum with City, you know, total football and Atletico yeah. Madrid, n- no football really. That's a little bit of a lie because they can play football, but it's just their tactics yeah. is, is the way it is. But that's the way, that's the way Atletico play. And in all fairness, Dave, they're still in it and there's nothing to say that Man City couldn't slip up here and make a mess of it. 100%. And if they get into the next round, Simeone will not give two shits what any of us say or anyone else in, in, in this game says. He won't care less. He'll love it, if anything, you know. Um, that's what they have to do without a shadow of a doubt because like, it's, the team has been weakening over the years. Uh, one or two players going and obviously Saul going missing and one or two aging as well, missing uh, Godin and a few others. Like, it's not the dream Atletico that was in the finals for a few years with Real Madrid and stuff. So he he has to double down, I suppose, on some of these tactics sometimes, and especially when you're playing a purest team that is Man City. But I'm telling you now, as much as I still fancy City, I'd be a little bit f- f- uh, afraid. That's without a shadow of it, because you know what they're going to do. They're going to bring everything to spoil this party without a shadow of a doubt, and credit to City if they come through it. And there's no such thing as a way goal rule anymore now. Yeah. So, you know, even if City did get a, a, another goal, you know, it's still there in the balance. Absolutely. And Neil, Real Madrid, they showed us that they're, they're not dead and gone. And I think a lot of people thought at the start of this season that, you know, Liverpool, City, they'd be the big ones going for it, and they will be. But the likes of the Spanish League, they were all dwindling away. And of course, with Barcelona, not firing on all cylinders. I think we kind of put Real Madrid in that category as well. And they've really showed that the experience that they have has been unbelievable for them. Yeah, do you know what it is, Roy? I have a Chelsea fan at work. I was talking to him about a half hour before the game kicked off. And I was going along the lines of, do you know what? Chelsea have this in the bag as far as look what they did to Madrid last year. They really did a number on them. Madrid weren't great. Chelsea just held them at an arm's length and did a number on them. But wow, I have to say it's I watched them. We were saying there before the show, I watched them versus Paris Saint-Germain. And I thought Paris Saint-Germain really, really held them at an arm's length for 60 minutes and then just crumbled. But I thought Paris Saint-Germain did enough in that game up to that point to justify the the result that was heading their way. And they just kind of self-destructed. Whereas I don't know whether it caught me by surprise, but I was so impressed at the way Madrid played, the way they moved the ball, the the the, the tempo that they set was almost too much for Chelsea to handle. And the amount of times they got down the Chelsea flanks and get in on the far side of Rudiger and the far side of uh, Thiago was actually unbelievable. They always seemed to have an extra pass out wide to bypass them. And it's obviously something they've worked on. But... Um, the goals that were scored were absolute top of the drawer. The two headers uh, that Benzema scored, you just don't see these goals anymore. They're like old-fashioned Les Ferdinand, Alan Shearer headers. They were magnificent the way he just steered the ball uh, into the net. It was it was magnificent to watch. And I think, in my estimation now, it puts Madrid as serious, serious contenders where I'll hold my hand up and say, I just did not see it previously to now. I thought they were on their way down. The age of Cruz, the age of Modric, but um, they are—they're looking like a finely tuned machine in the way that the Spanish sides 
seem to come out after Christmas and just find another gear when they're on the run in. And, uh, you know, this cup has been synonymous with Real Madrid in the last six, seven years. And uh, they're definitely back in with a shout. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, there was big talk with that, Neil, that Tuchel messed it up by playing his three at the back four in midfield but wasn't really a forward or a wing back so they were pushed back and Kante and, and Jorginho were left 3v2 in the midfield and just got overrun and then people started getting dragged uh, out of their positions and that's where these uh, spaces came in behind Rudiger and, and, and Thiago in, in the end uh, yeah, I always have a saw? criticism yeah a criticism Roy I have to say when I look sometimes at Chelsea when they play the wing backs don't get me wrong I like Reese James um, and then maybe Bell Chilwell and then maybe to a lesser extent Alonso but he played Azpilicueta out there and I don't know if he has the legs anymore to play that kind of wing back now it's, it's not a traditional attacking wing back in the sense with Azbilicueta it's more of a defensive minded guy that's going to get in there and make life difficult but as all that happened was that Madrid just went wider Valverde was on to do a job uh, and then uh, Vinicius Junior and his link up play with Benzema they just couldn't handle it and all of a sudden that 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 Chelsea we, we mentioned it, I think last week that you never see teams get at the Chelsea back three and they never get at Thiago until Brentford did it last year by going route one or sorry last week but then Madrid showed you how to do it by just playing wide and then playing through them and Vinicius and Benzema combined for two goals that were just top drawer and it was the pace and the power and the movement and it just made Chelsea look ordinary and I don't know about you if you're watchable it was so surprising to see Chelsea pulled apart like that it really was yeah, Dave Villarreal pulled off a, a fantastic win against Bayern Munich. I, I, I'm so unsure about Munich. I, I, you know, like I mean, everyone hypes. Yeah, them, the but course you just of the German league and yeah, you just don't get the sense with that competition over in Germany. You just never get a sort of a, a marker on how actually how good they are. And then when it comes into yeah. these latter comp- sides of the competition where the the quality is, results like this kind of make a question they had 62% possession they had total shots of 22 where Villarreal had 12 that seems fair with the with the uh, possession but big chances Villarreal had two they had one yeah. big chances missed it was one each obviously because Villarreal scored so where do you stand on the Bayern Munich question are they as, as good as they're made out to be yeah, do you know what? They're in the they're in the PSG bracket basically, and that's why like when it clicks, it's fantastic and it's as good as anything. But when it's not, obviously the magnifying glass comes out, and you kind of go, "This is where you don't really get your hands dirty all that much." And that's the problem. While Villarreal are well used to it, uh, getting their hands dirty when you've got people like Atletico Madrid and Barcelona and Real Madrid in your league, and look at how they got a, look how they won the Europa League last year. You know they didn't do it the easy way. They worked their ass off, and they're well able. And um, obviously that confidence from that uh, win last year has boosted them as well. So it's that bit of graft. And it, and this year a little bit now, not too much. They'll still probably win the league. But this year, once or twice in the league, they've been caught a bit short as well. Little nil-alls and uh, funny defeats. And you, you go into, you, you see the result and then you go into the team and you're like, shit, it's the, four, it's the first side. So what's going on? So maybe the Mullers of this world and not, not Lewandowski so much, but he's still 32, 33. Maybe they're just tightening up a little bit, starting to get a bit stale and need a bit of a freshen up. But they've always been in that bracket with PSG, in my opinion. And that's why it's a bit of a look at a draw with them. What what kind of team? Because even a couple of years ago, Liverpool were going to get hammered and they absolutely steamrolled them because they're on a different planet when it comes to hard work. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to just look at the Europa League just to finish off. Uh, you've got Leipzig, Atlanta, one all. Braga, one nil against Rangers. Frankfurt, one all with Barcelona. West Ham, one all with Leon. Uh, I'll let you, let you start with it, Dave. Uh, what do you reckon? Who do you think has the, the best chance here? Barcelona come back into a bit of form. It seems like something's happening there, but by no means are they the finished article. No. West Ham, are uh, they could be throwing all their eggs into one basket here now and, and really focusing on that. And they are good enough to yeah. be probably anyone on their day. Who do you think has, uh, who could get to the final, I suppose? And, and who do you think can go on and win See, it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the exact draw, like who's paired in who in the semi final. So I might get the final prediction on, but definitely you'd have to have Barcelona as the favourite. West Ham will play if they get through they will play either Barcelona or Frankfurt well then what I was probably what I was gonna say if I had known was Barcelona against the winner of Leipzig and Atalanta that's who I probably would have gone with to be honest that's for the final okay Neil any thoughts on the Europa League yeah, I, it's funny actually. I, I was watching the Barcelona match last week, and they're after just pulling this team of free transfers and madness uh, out of the hat, and they're actually playing really, really well. If you've seen the Madrid derby when they played as well, they play Madrid off the field, so they yeah. seem to be getting going at the right time. I'd have laughed in your face three months ago if you said Barcelona to win the Europa League. I thought they'd have gone in there, sulked, and gone home. So something's going right for them. Uh, I agree with Dave. I think Atlanta and Leipzig are going to be strong, and maybe just for the English connection. And you know what? I, I wouldn't hold any grudges against anyone, but David Moising's done a great job at West Ham, and I think they've got the bit between their teeth. They could be a dangerous team for someone to draw um, and, and kind of look past the likes of Barcelona thinking it's only West Ham. So it'd be interesting if they made a final, and maybe for their efforts and the way they've conducted themselves the last two to three seasons, it'd be a great reward um, for them to go on to a final in that. If you win the Europa League, do you go straight into the main draw of the Champions League? Yeah, yeah, that's that's Villarreal. Yeah, did it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they, they might be right. I think yeah, you I won't have to worry great. about the playoffs. So yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's an automatic. Okay, Okay, we're going to leave it there. Neil, thanks very much. Dave, thanks very much. Uh, We'll talk to you again next week. It's getting closer to the the big part of the season where we see things. And and of course, now we're not too far away from seeing teams getting relegated as well. And we will discuss that more next week. Talk to you next week.